0: Welcome to this episode of Woman to Woman podcast series. Our guest today is Lisa Levy. Lisa founded L-Cubed Consulting, a management consulting firm focused on aligning her clients, people, process, and technology. She's also the best-selling author of Future Proofing, Cubed, and Gift of the Universe Through Women That Lead. She was awarded the Top Change Management Consulting Service Company 2020 by HR Tech Outlook and the Best Women Leaders of 2021, ERAS Leaders. She is a certified Six Lean Sigma Master, Black Belt, and a Project Management Professional. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to Woman to Woman podcast. So excited to have you with us here today.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited to be a part of this conversation and to have a chance to share with your audience.
0: So for our audience, if you can just tell us where you are today, what do you do?
1: Absolutely. I am based in Phoenix, Arizona, and I am a founder and CEO of a company called L-Cubed Consulting. In this space, I am working with business leaders who want to scale and grow their businesses. They, they are not happy with what they're doing today. They want tomorrow to be bigger and they want to do things differently. So I like to talk about it as being disruptive and challenging the status quo and making positive impacts for the future for them, their employees, and their customers.
0: Are there certain qualifications that help you get here or are there certain kind of skill sets that somebody
1: should develop. So from my background and my experience, my education formally, my, my bachelor's degree is in video production, which adds absolutely no value unless you think about how much work we do on social media today. So I hadn't touched those skills in many years. And all of a sudden, I'm doing a lot more with them. When I transitioned into my professional life, the challenge was earning a living in that space. And And that was my entry into IT and into an actual professional career. And I was pretty good at it. And I was really good at building teams of project managers. And so I grew into the director of a PMO type role. But I was constantly frustrated looking at the number of projects that failed. People wanted to implement systems and technologies and do really cool things, but they didn't get it right because technology can only do what we ask it to do. And if we don't have good processes and we don't have good manual systems, asking technology to solve for us and make it better doesn't work until we get the original processes correct. So I spent a tremendous amount of time starting to understand processes. And that is, in my background, then Six Sigma. It's learning the ins and outs of of how process works, what, what is effective, what is efficient, and how do you measure those results so that you can quantify it. And we started to get better results. I don't have the right people doing the right work with processes that are effective and efficient. Our technology still isn't going to perform and make people happy. We get what we call super fast bad and pissed off people. So all of this led me to, over years, come up with an equation, people plus process times technology equals growth and scale.
0: Love that. Love that. Right? Yeah.
1: And I was so pleased with myself. Until I did some actual research on my own and some learning and realized that this principle was developed in like 1964 at Stanford, and it is the foundation of all management consulting practices in the world that if you take your people you give them good process and then you enable with technology you get better results. So I'm either brilliant in my own right, because I figured this out all on my own, or I, you know, leveraged knowledge and experience that others had put in place before me and had my own epiphany, but it wasn't necessarily.
0: It is a great feeling to know that something you came up with is actually something that everybody is taught and follows. Mm -hmm. who's a great leader. So that's awesome. Kind of your plan was to go into videography, but you ended up here. So any major pivot points in that journey where you thought, okay, this is what I am absolutely going to do, but then things happen and you ended up changing directions.
1: Absolutely. So right, by trade and training, I am a planner, right? Project management is about creating a plan, executing the plan, delivering on the plan and moving on. But the most important rule of project management is the plan never works. It's how you respond to everything that goes wrong along the way that is the art of the discipline. So, yes, I had plans, all right? I My plan was to be in a corporate environment, to build and grow my skills, my capabilities, and spend time in that space, get to the vice president type level and spend an entire career in what I perceived to be a sitting company. It was a rocket ship taking off. The sky was the limit. And I was there to lead them through this whole experience of building in and growing from a project management perspective, being effective, being efficient, and getting things done. And I hated getting out of bed every morning. I hated everything about it the company was growing it was scaling there were dozens of consultants in advising every c level executive to do something different so they were constantly at battle with one another fighting for the voice of their fiefdom right
0: along the way like were there instances when you were an internal employee also being a woman doesn't help the situation where you felt you know your great ideas were not being heard and Were there certain things that actually helped you push through your agenda a little bit before you decided, you know, this is absolutely not working and I need to go out?
1: I didn't know that I should feel uncomfortable. Never even thought twice about it because I have been in male-dominated environments, video production, all of these things. I was always just there with all of the guys. And I was sitting at one of our first leadership meetings within the IT group and I was excited to be there and I had ideas and I wanted to share them. And I started talking and the, my boss, our boss stopped me and said, that's nice, Lisa. Can we talk offline? And the rest of the meeting went on with him talking through his agenda, his points, his everything, eliciting no input from anybody really, but especially not me. And when we had that follow on -on one-on-one conversation What he explained to me was, I should not ever share an idea in that room that he and I haven't discussed prior to being in that room. And if it's worth being discussed, he'll bring it up to the group. So I was being silenced from the very beginning. And what I didn't know or appreciate about myself at that point in time is, well, it pissed me off. And I wanted to figure out a way to circumvent that because I wanted the ideas to get out there. To the group, and I started talking with my peers, the other guys who were directors of other you know functions within within IT, and sharing the ideas and creating a grassroots movement, a a groundswell of understanding and and bringing all of that in. And what I started to watch was if they brought the topic to the table, we'd have real conversation about it. If I brought a topic to the table, I was shut down immediately. So the idea for me of creating what we would today call allyship was something that I was doing. And in retrospect, it didn't help me. It helped the ideas, but it still kept me quiet in the corner and treated differently. And so allyship concerns me a little bit, but At that point in time, for me, it was about the ideas and doing the right thing for our business for, it was a financial institution, a credit union for our members, and making those things happen was more important. If I could go back in time, I would probably try and do it differently, and I would fight battles harder sooner because I wasn't the problem.
0: A lot of times, that's that's so true. Looking back, we have so much more wisdom, right, Mm -hmm. on how we would have handled things. But you brought up a really great point, allyship, right? We build allies um, and a lot of times they're very helpful in certain situations, but everything starts with networking, right? How do you approach people? How do you build those relationships? And women hesitate doing that quite a bit more than men. Men do it very naturally. Were there certain approach or certain ideas that helped you kind of go over this hurdle of how do I network? How do I approach new people? and bring up topics of mutual interest, even find what's mutually interesting to us.
1: So I am in my early 50s, and having initial conversations with strangers is still somewhat terrifying. I am an introvert, and that first attempt at connection terrifies me. But I don't have a choice. I want to earn a living. I want to make an impact. And I have to overcome that fear, right? Step into what is uncomfortable and what is uncertain and strike up a conversation. I own my own business, I sell my own deals. And having that initial conversation terrifies me. So, you know, what do I do? In some, in some cases, I resist and I rotten and i push off having those conversations but the tool and the technique for me that is most effective is make a commitment honor that commitment and then make the next commitment and honor that commitment and build a track record and a rapport and a reputation for driving excellence for being open to listen to other people for all of the things that i didn't have at that critical stage in my career being really really purposeful about being better for others than people were for me. But yeah, it still has to say, hi, I'm Lisa. And that's really hard sometimes.
0: And what about mentors? Like, did you ever seek out mentors? Did you have mentors that really helped you?
1: Mentorship is one of those topics that I, I wanted so desperately to have a really strong female mentor. And I'll be really honest, at that time, women were competing with women to have whatever little access they had. And finding a mentor in that space was hard. I found one well into my career, and I found her because she was not in my same line of business. And she was an executive vice president, she had paid her dues. She had come up through the ranks and she was willing to have those conversations because I was not in her line of business and I was not a threat. And that is the first conversation we had together about why she was able to do this because she wouldn't feel threatened by me coming up and chasing after her seat at the table. It's so disheartening to look back on that it is so hurtful that we, we didn't build each other up. Women tore each other down for decades. And over the last, honestly, five years, I have made a concerted effort to invest in my relationships with females in business. And I had to learn how to do it. It didn't come naturally. And it, I was afraid of it because I didn't know what they were going to try to do to me. But today what we're trying to do for each other is lift each other up and support and, and rise together. And it's beautiful.
0: And don't you wish this was always the case in the last few years, things have changed quite a bit. And I think we have realized the importance of collective uplifting. Yes. You know, how do we lift each other up? So we all grow. It's, it's not that. And again, I think this whole mindset, right, that there are limited seats at the table. So we are competing for those. I think that, at least miss nomar is a little bit better situated now we understand you know we can expand we need to add more seats for women mm-hmm. instead of just trying to compete for that and and that's a great feeling because now we see the power of women supporting each other how that yes. helps but now looking back is there anything you would do differently
1: if i had the opportunity to go back to a point in time i i spoke about it briefly i would go back to that one my first interaction, and I would have been bolder. I would have pushed and fought harder. I would have made the situation, right? It was, IT is very compartmentalized and very closed. And I would have made what was happening more apparent to the wider leadership team of the organization because what was happening did not align with the corporate culture. And if I had been stronger in my sense of self, I think I could have affected real change in a way that I never did in that environment. I also think that I would have probably stepped out of the corporate environment sooner if I hadn't been afraid of what might happen. Because what's the worst thing that can happen? You don't succeed. And so you move on to the next thing. So I am 14 years into being an entrepreneur and that when I say the number, I still kind of, I, I do a double take because that's a really long time. And most entrepreneurs stop after the first year and I'm 14 years into it and still don't necessarily consider that I am you know successful at this, but I'm 14 years in, I, I figured some things out and I'm learning more as I go. I would trust my instincts sooner. I would have trusted them I, earlier in life and just sort of gone for it sooner.
0: So you mentioned right now you've been an entrepreneur for quite a bit of time. Corporate culture is very different than having your own business, right? The challenges that come with it, the tensions, the way you have to work with people is very different. So any pieces of advice for those women who are like in that situation where they're like, I really want to leave, start something on my own. Any advice you would provide for them?
1: When I made the decision, I made it instantly. It was a light switch that flipped and I tend to have those moments and then I take action and I have a drive that just is on a path and I go until I get to what outcome I'm looking for. I would never recommend another person make a choice like that that way. If you are looking at and thinking about stepping out of the corporate world and building something of your own, I support you 100% figure out what it is, do your planning, do your financial forecasting, save up money so you have a runway and you have the cushion and you have things to give yourself more time than you think you need. If you think you need six months, plan for a year. You don't have to do it tomorrow. You can plan it while you're working your corporate job. If it is important enough to you, you'll find the hours in the day and the on the weekend, whatever it takes to get your foundation set. And then you'll know when the right time is to step into it full time. But jumping out of a plane with you know a parachute is a really scary way to start a business.
0: Great advice. One other question that keeps coming up a lot is, you know, how do we balance family, work, life, everything that goes on. And I know you had mentioned that you approached this as an integration project when you had your stepkids. (laughs) So how was that experience?
1: So I don't have children of my own. And 10 years ago, I found the the love of my life. And he came with two teenagers. And that was another moment of absolute sheer terror for me, because I have no idea what to do with kids and teenagers for me are easier than little ones because they, you know, speak in full sentences and they're kind of, you know, mostly, you know, capable of, of, of taking care of themselves. But when the relationship became real and we've been in it for years, the kids started asking about, you know, when are we going to live together under one roof? When are we going to be together all the time? How create a family. And they were so clever because they figured out how to meet me on my terms and we put together a project plan and we figured out right how we were going to go house hunting because we we didn't have a place that we could all live comfortably together and um you know we did the house hunting phase we did the as a family group made the decision about where we were going to live which was sort of halfway between where both of our houses were and so everybody was a little bit inconvenienced but we were all together and we systematically you know, went through and they, you know, when we live together, here are our roles and our responsibilities as the teenagers. We will do these things and, you know, we need you to help and do these things for us. And, and we negotiated creating and building a family. And it was because they were clever enough to meet me in a place where I was comfortable and it wasn't overly warm and fuzzy, ushy, gushy you know, lots of hugs and kisses, which we do lots of all of that. And it's you know, we're a family, but they got me hooked by learning how to speak to me in my own terms.
0: That is just so smart. And I think we can take one or two pieces of that and, you know, work into how we approach. When we approach people, you need to understand their mode of working and how we can actually work into their mindset and get things done. That's brilliant.
1: I'm thinking their dad may have done some coaching behind the scenes on making that successful. It was highly successful, no matter how you look at
0: it. Having worked with so many women in your career, right, or seeing so many women now that you are more in a consulting capacity, are there certain things you notice that women tend to do more often than men that don't help um, us in our career or lives? And on the flip side, are there certain things we don't do enough of?
1: I think, and it's observation and it's me owning the trait in myself. I think that women tend to apologize way too often for things that we have absolutely no control over. And it's a tool that I learned to diffuse emotions, but it also diffuses and diminishes my position in the conversation. And so I think that we need to learn how to address conflict in a way that is, right, we, we don't all have to agree. And we certainly, the world would be a really awful place if we all agreed about everything. Healthy discourse and debate and banter is meaningful. And if something doesn't go well, it didn't go well. It's not something that anybody needs to apologize for unless they you know, unless we generally messed up and, and an apology is warranted. But most of the times that I say I'm sorry, I have nothing to be sorry for. And so that's, I, and I'm not the only woman who does that. I see it all the time. And I try with my coaching clients, right, as I'm listening to them to bring that um, into their frame of thought, right? And I don't like the, 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 the adage that you know, apologizing is a sign of weakness, it's absolutely not when it's warranted. But it is diminishing if it's not warranted.
0: And any other skills we should develop?
1: Communication skills are key to everything, right? We talked about it from a networking perspective and just the fear of it. But um, understanding what people are saying, even when they're not saying what they mean. Um, The book Crucial Conversations has been a huge impact in the business world for 20 some odd years now. And it's for a reason, it teaches us how to have conversations when stakes are high emotions are high and we need to navigate through to get to a decision on something and we need to negotiate an outcome and having those skills change everything because as soon as we are capable at taking the emotion out of the conversation identifying what the real issue is figuring out how to solve the underlying problem that needs to be addressed, focus then on that outcome, right? We are moving things forward in a productive, supportive, and in the, in the language of the book, safe environment. And that's, that is imperative that we all know how to do that.
0: So on the personal note, anything that not a lot of people know about you,
1: I think I've given you a couple little ones. I am a pain. I am painfully introverted, and nobody believes me when I tell them that. Based on what I have to do for a living, based on podcasting, interviews, video work, or, you know, all of these things that I do today, it takes a lot of energy to do that. And for many people, it comes very naturally, and they don't even think twice about it. But I really have to plan the time and the energy to be on for an audience.
0: So Lisa, this was such a great conversation and thank you for so many beautiful nuggets of wisdom you shared with our listeners today. Any closing comments for us?
1: Regardless, right, if you're in a corporation, if you're thinking about being entrepreneurial, whatever the path is that you're following, always be curious, embrace learning new things, embrace trying things that are uncomfortable, embrace them not working out, because those are those moments and those opportunities where we learn. Some people would use the phrase, you know, just go do something and fail fast. The failure is not what's interesting to me. It's the learning from the experience that is. And so stay curious, explore, experiment, and learn things.
0: Thank you so much, Lisa. Really appreciate your time and uh, you being our guest today. So thank you.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me.